0: So this is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Viva, and I'm here today with Jessica Drummond. She is a expert in pelvic health um, and pelvic care, and I am thrilled to have her with us today because I get so many... Um, comments on PCOS Diva Facebook page and inquiries about what to do with PCOS if you are experiencing pelvic pain. And that's not something that I experienced in my journey with PCOS, and it's not something that I've done a lot of research in. So I'm just really thrilled that Jessica has agreed to talk to us about her um, area of expertise. So let me just give you a little more information about Jessica, she's a master's physical therapy, she's also a certified clinical nutritionist and certified health coach, and she's the founder and CEO of Integrative Pelvic Health Institute. Um, She's passionate about caring for and empowering women who struggle with women's and pelvic health conditions. She's equally passionate about educating and supporting clinicians in confidently and safely using integrative tools to transform women's and pelvic health care. She has over a decade of experience as a woman and pelvic physician, physical therapist, plus owning a private women's health clinical nutrition and coaching practice. This really gives her a unique perspective on the integrative conservative options for pelvic pain management. Jessica was educated at the University of Virginia, Emory University, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and Duke Integrative Medicine. And she's currently a doctoral student in clinical nutrition at Maryland University of Integrative Health. So thank you, Jessica, for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Amy.
0: So, why don't you tell our, the listeners? You know, how did you um, go from a physical therapist to really focusing on um, pelvic health? Is this something that um, pelvic pain was that something that you experienced um, in your in your health?
1: Um, not really. Although I did have some experience course, a few, through my life, I've had a few experiences with pelvic pain. I had a very minor case of endometriosis before I was pregnant with my first daughter, which was a long time ago now. She's 11. So I was about 13, 14 years ago, and I was having very painful periods that were really painful, like to the point of, you know, knocking me out that first day. I could literally pass out from the pain. But it was short-lasting, and really resolved with my pregnancies which can in some cases happen and I then after the second the birth of my second daughter which was years later I had some ovarian cyst rupture and we'll talk a little bit about what are some of the things you can do with that Um, but I was never personally diagnosed with PCOS and I didn't have long-standing pelvic pain but you know, I started as an orthopedic physical therapist in sports medicine and I just started working with patients who had, who were recovering from breast cancer and had shoulder issues and pregnant women who had back and pelvic pain, you know, pelvic joint pain. And, you know, I just became very interested in the field of women's health because there were such great times to be involved with women, um, you know, very motivated women when they're pregnant. They're very motivated to just be as healthy as possible. And for off and on for about eight years, I worked at the Women's Hospital here in Houston, and the Women's Hospital of Texas, and saw a lot of different pelvic pain conditions. In fact, you know, there were times when I was mobilizing pelvises right in while women were literally in labor, and it was just, it's a great population to work with. And then pelvic pain, I saw a lot of from all, all sources, not just PCOS, but endometriosis and gastrointestinal issues and, you know, bladder pain, things like interstitial cystitis, um, vulvodynia, which is a pain in the vulvar opening or the... Um, kind of the orifice between the vulva and the vagina. And, you know, these women really had gone through a long journey. Most of the time they were kind of ignored for years. The, their physicians often didn't have answers for them. And so to work with such severe pain, um, was very rewarding because there was a lot that we could do in physical therapy. But then around 2000, Gosh, I'm forgetting the dates now. But say nine, eight, nine years ago, or something like that. Eight years ago, I got quite sick myself with a hormonal imbalance, which um, you know really and actually. What helped me personally, I had very severe adrenal fatigue, was learning a lot more about nutrition. So despite the fact that I had been in women's health for a long time, by the time I got sick, I didn't really understand much about nutrition. I had never heard of functional medicine. And so going on my own personal journey to improve my natural hormonal balance, Mm -hmm. then I started to kind of bring that back to my pelvic pain and pelvic floor work and recognize that some of the patients really benefited from, you know, kind of from the very root getting their hormones back in balance. And certainly women with PCOS, that is a very important issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that um, a lot of the women that are experiencing pelvic pain you know, also have endometriosis. I think um, oftentimes PCOS and endometriosis kind of go hand in hand. Um, but what are you seeing clinically, you know, in your practice um, when it comes to PCOS and pelvic pain? Do you think it's, um, you know, an issue of endometriosis? Uh, do you find that the, the pain is more cystic? It's um, usually associated with painful periods or during sex? Or, um, you know, what are you seeing in your practice?
1: Right, and the the challenging thing about pelvic pain is we are dealing with sort of multiple organ systems in one small bowl-like space.
0: Mm-hmm. You've got
1: your, you know, your reproductive organs. So the ovaries can be cystic, and sometimes those cysts are very painful, especially when they rupture. And you've got your colon there. So if a woman has IBS, for example, that we know from some data that when a woman has IBS, no matter what kind of the underlying causes, whether it's, you know, an imbalance in her gut bacteria or she has sensitivity to uh certain FODMAPs which are like certain kinds of carbohydrates, there the viscera, viscera just means organs, like all of these different organs in the pelvis can become sensitive and it can kind of cross over from one organ system to another. So she might have IBS, she might have painful cysts, she might have bladder pain, she might have vulvar pain, and all of this pain becomes challenging to kind of what's the the bottom line cause. And so, you know, when it comes to women with PCOS, I think there are a couple of key things that I want to look at. The first is, are the major hormonal imbalances being addressed? Are we working on her insulin sensitivity? I mean, that's kind of the bottom line for all of the hormones, right? And I know that you do a lot of work with, like, meal planning and, you know, keeping the diet very low in sugar and, and for some women, even eliminating grains. But a lot of vegetables, a lot of high-quality protein – fats, you know, keeping the sugar balanced throughout the day is really important for kind of reversing insulin resistance. And then for women with PCOS that tend to have a lot of cysts, often their estrogen levels are either too high or too high in relationship to their progesterone levels. So what we have to do is help the liver better metabolize estrogen So that it's in a healthier form. And women with certain genetic predispositions or just, you know, who have had poor diets for a long time might lack adequate active forms of B vitamins. They might lack some enzymes and some other um, metabolites of things like raw broccoli, raw cruciferous vegetables. There are uh, these these metabolites of those called DIM and SGS, which stand for methane or sulforaphane glucosinolate, which help the liver really detoxify. So if you, you know, let's say for example, a woman with PCOS also has hypothyroidism and she's been not eating raw, you know, cruciferous vegetables for a long time because that can be hard on the thyroid. She may not have enough support for her liver to detoxify estrogen appropriately, and that can end up building up, which can cause some some cysts. And I also find that balancing estrogen and progesterone are key. And, And a lot of my patients with PCOS, we use things like Chase Tree Vitex, things to help naturally increase the progesterone levels at the same time as we're helping Estrogen detoxification. There is one caveat. A lot of women with PCOS, you know, have trouble getting pregnant, and we do have to be mindful of adding too much fiber because the fiber and and these you know um, these uh, cruciferous vegetable metabolites are great for detoxification, great for the liver, great for the colon. But too much can actually cause anovulatory cycles even in young, healthy women because we can actually go too far, like lower the estrogen levels too far. So it's this delicate balance that we have to um, play with. And in terms of, you know, when does this happen, for some women it is, you know, that really severe PMS. And one statistic that I think is very interesting is that women who have painful PMS Tend to eat on average 275 percent more sugar than those who don't. Mm. So that's a really great place to begin. That's really there's no downside, you know. Um, so you know, and when the pain is is in that PMS time, or um, just the first few days of the period, or it can happen just before ovulation because that's when estrogen is at its highest so again we want to be looking at changing the diet to support estrogen detoxification to support insulin sensitivity to increase progesterone and then for the women that do have pelvic pain during intercourse so again first we want to see is there anything else that's overlapping with the pcos do they have endometriosis have they been thoroughly assessed to figure out because you know there are lots of different ways to deal with endometriosis. In fact, I'm going to be collaborating with some colleagues of mine later this year to write a, a course very specific to endometriosis. But for many women, you know, excision surgery is necessary. Um, but certainly, getting to those root cause hormonal imbalances are important. Um, but sometimes it's just that the pelvic floor muscles are really irritated by the fact that women have been having these cysts, you know, for months and months and months over the course of years, that, as I said, when the nervous system in all of these different viscera that are all in the same kind of general location gets kind of sensitive because there's been pain there for, you know, for so long, you know, and, and it used to be that the average, and I'm not sure what the statistics are right now, but it took between 7 and 15 years for women with pelvic pain to, you know, find a practitioner who would even take it seriously, never mind, oh, you know, that. kind of, get to the root cause yeah. yeah so if you know if you've been in pain for so long the nervous system is just really upregulated, and 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 it, everything is going to hurt and if you imagine like let's say you've had a headache every day for seven years you're probably also going to have like neck tightness and shoulder pain and the same kind of thing happens in the pelvis you get pelvic floor muscle um Pain and sensitivity and tenseness, tightness, sometimes muscle spasms. So that's where physical therapy can help, changing positions of intercourse, finding more comfortable positions, where the woman can kind of control and relax her pelvic floor and control where the ovary is kind of in space. You know, sometimes just think some of the physics around intercourse and and pain Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. So, yeah.
0: So I'm wondering, um, are, do you think that stress um, increases the, the pelvic pain and, um, you know, certainly the hormonal dysfunction? I, I think that for women with PCOS, stress is one of those, um, you know, factors that they're not hearing about in the doctor's office. Um, they don't really, uh, doctors aren't really explaining the relationship between elevated cortisol and which can lead to low progesterone and um, estrogen dominance and elevated insulin. I'm just curious if you think that stress also plays a role in, in pelvic pain.
1: Absolutely. I think there's a number of different mechanisms that can do it. First of all, as you said, when you have elevated cortisol, essentially all of your sex hormones are going to likely be out of balance because it's like those hormones, the, the steroid hormones of cortisol, stress hormone and sex hormone are all made from the same kind of two branches of the same biochemical pathway. And cortisol is an issue of life or death. You know, stress, when the body's under stress whether whether it's physical or emotional, There, it's not, you know, it's like that's the priority for your physiology. So all of your resources are going towards managing the stress and can't, it's very difficult to keep your sex hormones in balance. And then secondarily, the longer you're under stress where it becomes sort of a chronic response, the um, nervous system becomes very sensitive. So smaller triggers can really increase your pain level. And you know, the other thing is that we know from interesting studies where we put like if they put water into the colons of women with IBS and women who don't have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. I didn't say what that was before, but you know, irritable bowel syndrome where there are GI issues, di- diarrhea and constipation and abdominal pain and bloating. The again, all of those pelvic viscera can become more sensitive to anything being in the colon. So, and stress plays a large role in irritable bowel syndrome um, and certainly in keeping the, the bacteria and the digestive system nice and balanced. So what I tell my patients, you know, we, we can't, we live in the world, it's impossible to sort of get rid of your stress. So you want to approach it from a couple different ways. And there is some interesting data that shows that actually your relationship to stress is the thing that's more important than the amount of stress. So Mm -hmm. first of all, you know, you can lower the amount of stress as much as possible. I always say to my clients, you know, whatever is on your plate, it's there because you chose to do those things. Sometimes you did it by default or by obligation. But you have to kind of examine your day. Where are you spending your time? Where have you said yes too often? And start to take off anything from your, your plate, your to-do list that is possible. Just kind of to lower the, the load. And a lot of times I see this especially in women who are recently postpartum or maybe even up to, like, five, six years postpartum. You know, they have two small children, three small children, one small child, and there was no adjustment to having babies. There's no adjustment in our society. Like, have a baby and then as fast as you can, like, go back to work and get your belly back, right? It's like, no, everything has changed. So that's a huge source of, of stress for women with pelvic pain. There's no adjustment to, to life's changes. and um You know, the other thing is that we want to try to balance stress with, like, kind of put on the schedule periods of relaxation, periods of rejuvenation, periods of uh, what they call the relaxation response. And you can do this in small ways because it doesn't mean, like, every weekend you have to be at the spa or on vacation. It's more about, okay, you know, it was a really busy morning. Now I'm going to sit and spend 15 minutes without looking at my computer, without doing anything, maybe I'm with a, a quiet, you know, pleasant friend or something, and just eat my lunch slowly. And that can be a source of rejuvenation. You know, you've got to put little things like that essentially all throughout the day. Otherwise, you're constantly, it's, it's possible to be under sort of constant chronic stress in the, in the way that we live now
0: yeah i I talk a lot about a diva must practice extreme self care and really allow herself to experience pure pleasure and it's yes and what you're describing is really these pleasurable moments. And have them scattered throughout the day. I know one of the, my favorite things to do is just brew a cup of tea, sit in my favorite chair, and just kind of sit and stare and sip out the you know, look out the window. And it's uh, like a little meditation for me, and it only takes five minutes, ten minutes. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Women need to allow themselves some downtime. Um, so I just want to kind of summarize some of the, the things that you've talked about, some tips. Um, you, you really mentioned how sugar is um, really wreaks havoc for women, especially with PCOS. We know that, but also women experience, experiencing pelvic pain. So, um, reducing sugar and that may even include, um, you know, really limiting or reducing um, grains from your diet. And also looking at liver support for both phase one and phase two, Um, and supplements like DIM. And I, I know I personally use DIM. I think I'm age 43, and I'm kind of dealing with some estrogen dominance that I didn't, you know, have in my 30s. Um, Mm -hmm. And DIM has really helped me um, relieve or alleviate my PMS symptoms. So I can speak to, to that, that that really does work. Um, and then... And definitely, one, you know, I, yeah.
1: li- I like that you mentioned, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to turn it up, but I like that mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, perimenopause, essentially, it's normal for things to begin to change. So kind of keeping an eye on your cycle as you get into your, you know, 40s, you know, you may need to make some adjustments. That's very normal.
0: Yeah. And, and it's great to have things kind of in your toolbox um, that are natural, and um, I I can say that that really has helped me. Um, And then, you know, looking at your self-care, and um, maybe you can give us some other kind of natural ways that we can um, help, that will help with pelvic pain.
1: You know, certainly everything you said, sugar, um, liver support, um, methylated forms of B vitamins, B12, methylcobalamin, methylfolate, because then the body doesn't need to break it down. So depending on your underlying genetics, it can be challenging for um, the, the liver will have to metabolize more synthetic forms of things like folic acid, so better to get those in the active forms in supplements. Uh, you know, eating more cruciferous vegetables, sometimes raw, you know, being mindful if you have a thyroid condition, but definitely cruciferous vegetables in general, SGS, um, which, you know, is, is a metabolite of the cruciferous vegetables. Slowing, you know, having moments of really slowing down, chewing. And we have to look at, you know, adrenal health underlies all of the sex hormone um, balance. So how is your stress level, your emotional stress? How is your relationship? You know, that's one thing that can be really an issue for women with pelvic pain because it's, it's often impacts their sexual intimate relationship with their partner. And so, you know, that's one way that pelvic physical therapists who are, you know, highly skilled can really help. You know, I used to bring, when I was working hands-on in the the clinic, oftentimes bringing the partners in and really explaining the anatomy. You know, one of the things that I would recommend that that every woman does, because it's surprising, but even after childbirth, many, many women like, have very little understanding of their pelvic anatomy, you know, where are the muscles, where are the vulva, you know, where where are the different parts of the vulva, where is her clitoris, where is her, you know, pelvic joints, they interact with their hips, you know, and so kind of getting an education on your pelvic floor and your pelvic joints and your pelvic muscles and where the organs sit, you know, you can have prolapses with either heavy activity or, um, you know, after birth, the bladder can kind of droop down a bit, so can the cervix. And again, things may change about which sexual positions are most comfortable and, you know, during which times of the month there can be, um, discomfort in the different pelvic muscles. So bringing the partner in with a pelvic floor physical therapist to kind of just get super familiar with your own body. You know, I have two kids, two girls. They're 11 and 4. And, you know, starting from when they were little, it's like, here's your elbow. Here's your vulva. You know, we don't really do that, right? (laughs) But (laughs) every boy, you have boys, right? Every boy by the age of three, like, knows what their penis is, where it is, what it does, you know? (laughs) And women are really unfamiliar with their bodies and their cycles and the benefits. You know, there are some real benefits to women's hormonal cycles that we don't tap into because we're never taught about them. And then certainly we can't teach our partner when we don't really even understand the terrain of our own anatomy. So being kind of hands-on in the office with a pelvic floor physical therapist and a pelvic model and a mirror, you know, to just get familiar with your own body and start to feel comfortable with it so that you can, you know, if I say, okay, relax your shoulder, relax your neck, you might be able to do that. But, okay, relax the pelvic floor. It's sometimes hard for the brain to reconnect to those muscles, particularly when there's been pain there for so long or it's during pain, you know, you're actually currently in pain or if you – um or if you've had a childbirth and that was, you know, the cause of your pain, or you had a surgery in the pelvis or the abdominal area, it's hard for the brain to kind of reconnect to actually actively controlling and relaxing those muscles. And sometimes women are taught after childbirth, okay, just, you know, do a lot of kegels and kind of strengthen everything back up in the pelvis. But for women with pain, that's not – actually the correct recommendation. Really they need to understand which muscles are kind of walking around tight, which muscles are weak and there are a whole hammock of muscles in the pelvic floor. It's not just like the pelvic floor muscle. Um, It's a number of muscles and you can have issues on one side. Let's say you were a, a runner and had a hip injury or got in a car accident and had a back or a hip or a leg injury. This can all impact the pelvis. So You know, I think of the self-care tips, one of them is just be really comfortable with two things, and you may need some help with this because it's not like we're taught this in, you know, middle school sex ed. Like, what is going on in your cycle? When are your hormones supposed to be higher and lower? And how does that, you know, what benefits does that confer? And then get really comfortable with the anatomy and physiology of your pelvis and pelvic floor muscles because if you're in pain oftentimes bringing some total body relaxation, including the, to the muscles of the pelvis and, and vulva and vagina you know, that surround those tissues can make a huge difference. But it's hard if you have no idea how to connect to those muscles, um, you know, actively.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's so important, um, that the education piece, so that you can really empower um, yourself to make, you know, good choices and to be able to do those type of relaxation exercise. Now, I don't know if I would have any idea how to contact a pelvic floor physical therapist in my area. Can you give us some some hints, tips, like how do we connect with someone in our local area?
1: Absolutely. So. The institute that I run trains clinicians across multiple disciplines and we, tra- we train clinicians worldwide. It's called the Integrative Pelvic Health Institute. Right now we don't yet have a practitioner directory up on our website. That will be coming in the next couple of months, but you can always send me an email through the contact page there if you have, you know, you're looking for someone in particular. So that's integrativepelvichealthinstitute.com. And then in the U.S., um, the American Physical Therapy Association has a section that's called the Section on Women's Health. And they have a provider directory of clinicians who've done some training in pelvic floor. So any in the United States, any physical therapist who, who's doing pelvic floor physical therapy should have had some postgraduate courses. So um, often they're listed in these directories. Um, Herman and Wallace Institute is another institute in the United States that does train pelvic physical therapists. And this is and there are also institutions I know in. Uh, England and Ireland and Australia, for sure. Um, again, you can email me if you are looking for someone in a different country. And there are two places uh, on social media that are great for finding kind of local clinicians. If you use the hashtag, literally on Twitter, the hashtag Pelvic Mafia, you'll find tons of pelvic health experts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there is a Facebook group. Uh, women's health physiotherapy and they also have a Twitter handle I'm not sure what that Twitter handle is but women's health physiotherapy because it was started in um, the UK so yeah worst case scenario just send me a tweet at jessrdrummond.com and put hashtag pelvic mafia and we'll find somebody for you
0: great and, and I will post um, all of your contact information uh, under this podcast so Maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about your programs and client services. You know, how how can somebody work with you individually? Sure.
1: Yeah, so I do work with clients individually. And, again, go to integrativepelvichealthinstitute.com and just send us a, you know, we have a bit of a waiting list right now. Um, As you know, Amy, I'm I'm in transition and settling the practice in a new place. But um, we do, I do see clients all over um, for the nutrition piece and the coaching piece because sometimes honestly I find that the one of the most effective things for pelvic pain is really that education that I was talking about before you know and understanding how to quiet the nervous system and using coaching to do that can be really effective so that's how you can work with me just individually one-on-one I do have a small private practice we also have, um, like, a foundations program for general natural hormonal balance. And if you go to the website under, uh, there's three little buttons on the top right, and one of them is patient services, I think, or patient resources. You can get to the foundations programs, which are online. You can do them at your own pace. And that helps to get your hormones in natural balance, you know, and, and they're seasonal. So you want to choose the, the season of the year, winter, spring, summer, fall, that you're in in your location.
0: Great. Well, I always ask um, the folks that come on to the podcast um, to leave us with a message of hope. I think so many women with PCOS feel um, you know, they just struggle so much, they're not getting great quality medical care, and they're just frustrated. um, And the fact that, you know, PCOS is a a condition that you have to live with over the course of a lifetime. But for those women that are really struggling with pelvic pain, um, can you leave us with a message of hope?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've been in this field now 16 years or so, and, really there is a lot of options there are a lot of options for pelvic pain relief um there are multiple disciplines wonderful practitioners all over the world working on this it's easier than ever to find them and absolutely there's no reason for any woman to live with long term chronic pelvic pain it can be at minimum reduced you know minimized and for many women Complete relief is is highly possible.
0: Well, thank you so much, and thanks for your time today and to all of the listeners. um, Thank you, and we'll see you next time.